over to John chapter 4. I um, was searching for a way to say what I want to say, and I was in the Bob Gladstone meetings, and all I can say is, I really want to encourage you guys, every one of you, if you're in the Bible school, the fire school of ministry or not, you have access to these teachings that took place this last week. And I, I really believe it was some of the purest, most life-giving word that I've ever heard. It seems amazing to me. I was thinking after hearing some of those sessions, and I'm going to go up on Sunday and share the word. Um, I don't know that I qualify. I remember hearing um, Adrian one time, and this is, this is a while ago, Rogers, I don't know how many of you met him or have ever heard of him. Adrian Rogers was an incredible preacher, and I heard him preach at a Billy Graham School of Evangelism. And afterwards, I thought, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to go into ministry after hearing this. This guy is light years uh, just ahead of me. And, and why would I put people through the indignity of hearing me speak after, after hearing this? And I sort of felt that way with Bob this week, just incredible revelation. And yet, something that he said is, is the perfect illustration for what I've been wanting everyone to really grab a hold of, thinking about lordship, the lordship of Jesus Christ. I really fundamentally believe the most important decision a man or a woman is going to make on earth is what do they really do with Jesus? And the real issue is, do we make him Lord of our lives? Or is he someone that we just sort of know about? Now the reality is, in the church, in America, and in the West, we know about Jesus. Somebody say amen. So what's the real challenge then? To go beyond knowing about him to really serving him with all that we are. And hence the word lordship. He is Lord whether you or I ever make him Lord or not. <laughs> the, I mean, that took me a long time to understand that. He is Lord. Long before I came to this planet, somebody say amen. He was Lord. He is Lord. Long after I've stepped off this planet, he is Lord. He doesn't need me to acknowledge His Lordship to be Lord because He's Lord independent of me. The radical thing is, though, again, this command. And it is a command. It's an invitation, but it's more than an invitation. It's a command that you and I make Him the Lord of our lives. And again, I heard what for me is one of the greatest illustrations in, in really crystallizing this. And so let's look here at this woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. I am unashamedly stealing some of Bob's sermon from I don't remember what day it is. And I just say that right now. If you get those messages, they're going to be, uh, I think, just life-giving, incredible words from the Lord. And yet he, he says something that, that really, for me, crystallizes this whole idea of making Jesus Lord. So again, let's take a few minutes. Verse 5 of John chapter 4. The Bible says he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. 
near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, sat by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now let's, let's stop for just a minute, and I want you to understand this. And really see it in the same way maybe that it impacted me. This woman's identity is what? Let's have some interactive church. It is legal, by the way, for you to say an amen or an oh my or every now and then, you know, a legitimate answer. What's this woman's identity? Who is she? She's a Samaritan woman. This is how she sees herself. This isn't a a great deep revelation. But in essence, it's what we face even today. What do I hear all the time from people? Well, I'm a white male. You know, I'm from German descent. That would be, you know, my pedigree. Actually, we're from Vikings, just so you know. My tribe attacked northern England in the 1100s and wiped them out. So I can be proud of my heritage. If you've seen my sons, you realize that we are raising Viking warriors even in the year 2011. Watch out. We have swords and hatchets and all kinds of crazy things at our house. You know, our heritage, if you're not careful, you know what your, your whole identity is going to be? I'm a Puerto Rican Woman, male, I'm this, I'm that, I'm black, I'm white, I'm German, I'm Irish, I'm Russian. And the next thing you know, fundamentally, that is your identity. That's how you see yourself in life. You know, it's really amazing. This woman, I'm not even going to try to go to the depth that Bob did this morning because I've got a whole lot of other things I really want to share with you. Can I ask you today, what is your fundamental identity? Who are you? Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you, and this is amazing because what's Jesus going to teach this woman? Real meaning is to worship God in spirit and in truth. What should her real identity be? A worshiper of God that worships in spirit and in truth. You've all read and and have heard, you know, numerous messages on John chapter 4. It's amazing. I'm a Samaritan woman. What do you want with me? And we know, again, as, as you read it a little bit more, and let's, let's just jump down here to what, um, again, transpires between them. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is to says to you, or says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he'd give you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where are you going to get living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well? Again, her entire identity is, is completely rooted in everything she is. You know, as a Samaritan, she's an ethnic reality. There's an ethnic identity. There's also a religious identity that goes along with it. I would be willing to bet you that in every ethnic group represented here, there is, there's a cultural identity, but with the cultural identity is a religious identity. You want me, can I just be really bold? Both of those are going to have to be overcome if you're going to get to worshiping God in spirit and truth. See, if we talk about Jesus as Lord, I'm no longer a white male. I'm a Christian on fire for God. Somebody say amen. Or I'm going to preach myself happy and nobody else is going to get anything today. Listen to this. Whoever drinks this water is going to thirst again. But the water, whoever drinks the water that I give him, they'll never thirst But the water I give him will become a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. How many of you want to go from getting a a drink of water to having a fountain spring up on the inside of you? That's Christianity. That is worshiping God in spirit and truth. You know, it's amazing. If you're not careful, as a church member, you're going to come and I'm going to hand you some type of a glass of water. If you became a worshiper, out of your innermost being, fountains would begin to spring up. Not just coming to church because you're dry and thirsty and I need something, preacher. But God on the inside of you springing up a well that becomes a fountain on the inside of you. Man, I love this illustration. From a glass of water to a well to a fountain. I don't know about you, I want it all. Somebody say amen. Listen to this. The woman said, sir, give me this water that I don't have to come here and draw. And here it is. Listen to verse 16. Call your husband and come here. Call your husband and come here. The woman said, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you've said well that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the one that you now have is not your husband. In this, you spoke the truth. Again, let's get a little bit deeper in the identity. She's not just a Samaritan woman. What really is giving her her purpose, her meaning, if you will, in life? What's it completely tied to? The man in her life. The men she's gotten involved in or with. And the reality is this. Jesus comes along to rescue this woman. So look, this is, this is wild. She is a Samaritan. She's not a Jew. Jesus is going to straighten this thing out. You've got to worship in spirit and in truth. Salvation is from the Jews, he's going to say here in a few minutes. Even though you Samaritans are out worshiping and offering sacrifices, I'll never forget one time I read a book on the manners and customs of Bible times, and they had a picture from the 70s, as in 1970, where they were pick, or getting photos of the Samaritans offering sacrifices in the 70s on Mount Ebal, or wherever it is over there, in Samaria, still to this day they're worshiping. 
still offering animal sacrifices. When the sacrifice has come to the earth, they're still cutting up animals. It's an amazing thing to, to realize that what, what you read in this book, for some people, 2,000 years later, there's never been a breakthrough. They're still doing the same thing they did 2,000 years ago. And the really heavy thing when I read this story about this woman, I see this woman here in Chicago today. They're white, they're black, they're Asian, they're Hispanic, they're women, and their entire life is wrapped up in the man that they're with at the moment. Now men, just so you understand, you're not off the hook. This applies to you, I mean 100%, probably even worse. Because your entire life is who you are, that you derive that from your father and from your family. Your job has become the idol in your life. It's amazing. I run into guys that don't have five minutes to pray, and they got 80 hours to work. Because they need a few of these. Anybody know what I'm talking about? For some of us, sports... Have I gone to meddling? Not like I'm about to. You know, what, the, the reality is I read this and it's like, wow, lordship. Bob, I saw it. Lordship. For this woman, what's lordship? Well, she's going to always be a Samaritan woman with a man in her life. But that's not the fundamental value of her life. And it has been up to this point in time. Jesus comes along and listen, he doesn't turn her life upside down, he turns it right side up. For the first time in her life, she's going to be steered to worshiping God in spirit and in truth. No longer is she going to take a cheap substitute for something that will never give her ultimate blessing and pleasure and, and meaning in life. In fact, it's wild. She's, she's traded truth and experience with the living God for just sexual relationships. Can I talk like that in church? Are you shocked that I said the word sex? Hold on there, tiger. This is as real as it gets. You know, if we talk about lordship, what are, we, what are we talking about? What is of ultimate meaning and importance in your life? Who are you? And it's even more fundamental. Who is he to you? You know, when I look at Adam and Eve, let me tell you what I think is the greatest tragedy in their fall in the garden. There was a time when Adam was not independent. He was completely God-dependent. He lived where God put him, doing what God had for him. He lived every day waiting for God to come and walk with him in the cool of the day. And the, and the most incredible, cruel thing that the enemy did more than anything else to humanity is he got us to fall the same way that he did. There was a time, listen, when Lucifer did what God told him to, how God told him to, where God told him to, in the place God told him to. And Lucifer was
was completely God-dependent. And when he fell, what did he become? Not just Satan, he became independent, establishing his own identity based on what he does, how he thinks, what he wants. No longer his identity is in God, his identity is in what he does and how he thinks. And this is what happens to Adam and Eve. Adam literally goes from God-dependency to independency. Can I say this to you? The real essence of sin is you acting independently of God. And the essence of lordship, it's not even so much what you do, it's what you are. You are brought back to a dependent living together on a daily basis with the living God. And I, I, again, I'm blown away and I don't have time to even really talk about this anymore. You need to hear Bob's message on John chapter 4 just for your own personal growth. But I want to say this to you this morning. You need even more to worship God in spirit and in truth because that is lordship. That, you know, it's amazing. We're, we're talking about worship for a minute. Worship. Is that another ship of faith? Do we just have ships everywhere? Come on. Stewardship, lordship, worship, discipleship, leadership, fellowship, relationship. Don't get me started. I'm going to sound like a rapper here in a minute. And then hopefully my ship won't sink. Listen, this is, I cannot, I cannot emphasize enough, church, how important it is. What is a, what does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? You know, it's amazing. There are hitmen in this city that go to the church and get the blessing before they go out and commit the hit. I know what I'm talking about because we ministered to one. They, they're aware of God. I want God's blessing as I go and murder someone. Lordship, lordship is to find real meaning in life in your relationship with Christ. I, you know, every one of us here, whether, whether we're truly aware of this or not, <laughs> there is something that is Lord in your life. For me, there was a season in my life where it was tennis. Can you imagine that? What a squandering of, of life I spent more than five hours a day in high school and college playing tennis. Many days, eight hours. I, I did have a full ride to Texas Tech and all that kind of stuff. But my point is, whatever has the affection and the focus of your heart, that's really the Lord of your life. And who can tell me what the essence of idolatry is? when I fill in that blank with anything except Jesus Christ. See, the reason that I want to share this with you, I really want to see God do something awesome with us. I mean, in my life, in us as a congregation, if we're all confused about what our focus needs to be in life, we're, we're, we're you know, this is amazing. I learned this pastoring for about three months, and that is that everybody's going to get really what they want in life. 
whatever you really set your affection on, I I don't really understand all this, but I can just lay this on you. Your life is going to gravitate in that direction. You set your heart and your mind on something firmly enough and focused enough, you will achieve it. But here's the real issue. Is Jesus that, that object of your love and your affection and the purpose in your life? You know, I realize it's not ministry that's first place in anyone's life. It's got to be Jesus that's first place. It's no, there's no thing. I understand this even. Let me have you turn over to Luke 14. We shared, or began to at least a little bit with you a week or so ago. Luke 14. Find this thing, this passage of Scripture, Luke 14, 25 and 26, and listen to these words. Great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate, look at that word, his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What's he saying? None of these things are your identity. You don't get your identity from your father, your mother, your wife, your children. No relationship on earth even holds a candle to your relationship with Almighty God. And that relationship is Jesus as the very Lord of our lives. And He actually uses the term here that you cannot be my disciple. How many of you know every one of us is in discipleship? Right now. Now here's the deal. Either you're actively being discipled or you're, you're AWOL. I like it when Jeff gives you that, that cow sound. Mm. We were hearing it in the seminar. It's like a bovine spirit in operation. Now I want you to really hear this, church. AWOL means... I'm being discipled on my terms. When I can get around to it, when I have some free time, I'll attend a study. Tracy's about to embark on a literally year study that not one woman in this church would not understand her purpose and her destiny and what she's doing. And the focus of this whole thing is Jesus is Lord and God of all. And every, and every meeting that we have, it, the, the goal is not to offer a service or a meeting for people to attend. The goal is to make Jesus the Lord of our lives. And, and I just want to back up even for a minute and say this. You know, when he says either, either this is your attitude or you cannot be my disciple, you know, you could read that and say, well, well why would I want to be his disciple? And the answer is this, because he is the ultimate truth, the ultimate revelation. And everything else you and I live for is secondary. And the, and the painful thing is it will never satisfy your life. I, I meet in Scripture this rich young ruler that we talked about the other day. The rich young ruler basically says, you're, you're asking for too much. Asking for too much. He's trying to give you everything. He's not asking in that sense for something. He's saying that if you'll give up this 
idol in your life, then I can be the center. And as the center of your life, everything else falls into place. Man, I want to say this to you. Jesus is Lord. The question is, is He your Lord? Or do you have another identity, another focus? Are you whatever it would be? You know, the business owner. This is, this is my life. This is what I'm, I'm focused on. Are you, you know, again, name it. Fill in the blanks. A mechanic, a housewife, a cook, a police officer. What, what, what are you? Hopefully all of those things are second, third, fourth, fifth place in your life. But this is what I know. When our lifestyle does not reflect Jesus' values and commands, then I know He's not Lord. When as a people, we are not overcoming the world, we are not winning the lost, we are not worshiping in spirit and truth, when there's a prayer meeting and a handful comes, that's the real measure of the church. That's who we are. You know, Jesus would get up a great while before dawn and go and pray and find out what God wanted him to do that day. And not just on your way in with a, with a, as you're driving, God bless me, help me do this out of the other. There's a massive difference between a God-centered life and a self-centered life where Jesus is part of it. And again, I know the last few weeks I've been talking about lordship. The reason is because, and I want you to really get this, I honestly care about you. And I know that if you let something else be the center of your life, it's going to come crashing down. I was at a church once where we had close to 2,500 families. Almost every year, we would lose close to 700 families. And in the course of the next year, try to pick up another 700 so we can say, well, at least we're not, you know, going down. You know, while that was true, it's the same thing here. If there's a 100 people in the room, and a year later there's a 100 people in the room, what does it mean? Honestly. You've got this massive revolving door because people come in, they're excited, they need God, they want help, but they're still the center of their lives. And then they're because they're going to be disappointed being the center of their lives, it's only a matter of time. I really believe it's really wild. In my understanding of ministry, I've got a whole bunch of you for maybe two, three, four years before the disappointment gets so great, you just walk out the back door and you're gone, and you'll go somewhere else just as frustrated, just as hurting, and some other pastor will love you just as much, pray just as hard, but as long as you are the center of your life, there will never be any real satisfaction. So you'll just go from place to place, time to time, with the same basic interior. And it could be from from this Samaritan woman's case. I was thinking of Zacchaeus. Who is Zacchaeus? He's this chief tax collector. He's a Jew. He's short. He's hated by the whole city. He's got his whole set of what makes up his personality. You know what Zacchaeus needs? 
to make Jesus Lord and everything will fall into place. And what does Jesus do? Brings him back to center. Can I say this to you? In all that we're about to do in this year, and I tell you, I'm excited. I believe God is doing awesome things in this church. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Good things are happening. But I know this. It's all peripheral if Jesus is not the very center of our lives. Because then it's only a trip for a season. I hate to use that term, man. I was there. Uh, never mind. You know, we're not on a trip at this point, guys. This is not a trip. This is a destination. And the destination is to be transformed into the very image and likeness of Jesus Christ. You see, I know that. If I make Him the very focus, the same way it was true for me, I, I set goals as a kid in elementary school of how far I wanted to go in tennis. You understand? I did it. I set goals in business. I wanted to be a barge engineer in the oil field. You know I did it. And I come along one day and I find Jesus. I should say Jesus found me because I surely wasn't looking for Him. Let's just get real about it. You know, I love that. Oh, I found the Lord. I doubt it. Man, He's been dragging you towards Him for two decades or whatever. Okay, I'm with you. You found Him, all right. But listen to this. If you make Him Lord... And that becomes, that, that object, loving Him, worshiping Him, following Him, fellowshipping with Him, hearing His voice, if that becomes the focus of your life, that's what you're going to get. If you seek Me with all of your heart, what's the promise? You'll find Me. Again, I think, that, you know, it's tough for me. Sometimes we're worshiping God. I feel like I'm interrupting Him by coming here and taking the microphone. When we worship, I believe it's, it's the, just for a brief moment, we've entered into the very reason we were created. I was never created to preach a sermon, never created to teach a Bible study or teach a lesson. I was created to worship God. See, that's part of lordship. To, to, to actually come with an expectation and a hunger in my heart. I'm here to meet with Him. It's not haphazard. It's amazing. What would happen to a church if every one of us at 9.30 was here praying, waiting to worship God, to meet with the Lord, instead of just cruising in, catching whatever is going on? Can I say this to you? If you were to meet with President Obama, would you be there on time? Would you be prepared? Would maybe somebody whoop out some nice threads? Look, the, look, the reality is this. The king of the universe is waiting for you, listen, to keep your appointment. His son purchased the the. Mean, if you will, face to face. The, the curtain that, that kept people out of the Holy of Holies, where only one priest once a year even got to go into God's presence. That thing was torn from the top down. I don't know what kind of strength it would take to tear a six inch thick curtain. 
I have a feeling it would take God. I'm sure there's some angelic being that could do it, but all I know is it happened. And here's the bottom line. The Holy of Holies is wide open. You could go. You and I could go. I'm going to say this, though, as real as I can. The ones that have not really made Jesus Lord, they simply choose not to go. They're satisfied with something else, or they're looking in something else. Again, this woman, this woman scares me. My wife and I know so many godly, good, in that sense, women that want to do things right, that get frustrated, that they feel alone, they're single, they're quote-unquote too old to be single. So they go and do stupid things. And the men are absolutely no different at all. We're the ones they're doing stupid things with. It's like, what's going on? The church in America... It, 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 to me, it's a scary place. I mean, let's get real. Who are we in this room? I mean, I, I felt so stirred up in January on that 21-day prayer and fasting time. We need to get back to the basics. I get with the guys, and every one of them has the same basic thought in their heart. We need to get back to the basics. Can I say the most fundamental basic? is Jesus is the center of our lives. It's not your culture. It's not your sex. It's not your marital status. It's not your job. It's not your hobby. It's amazing. Some people, I've worked for a guy that spent more money on his cars than he did world missions. Holy smokes. I better move on. Guys, gals, Jesus is Lord. You know that. You know that. It's time that we repent. It's time that we submit our wills to Him. That we make Him that first place that He is. Somebody say amen. Okay, I just want to make sure. Can I have a, can I have a, mm? Yes. Oh, come on. A double. Mm. Let's pray together, guys. Lord, I ask today that not one person here could walk out confused about their identity. God, don't let us camp out at lesser things. Don't let the the ultimate meaning in our lives be wrapped up in lesser things. You know what, worship team, where are we? I want to sing that song again. I I give you.